Welcome to ASME TechCast, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. I'm Carlos Gonzalez, Special Projects Manager at Mechanical Engineering Magazine, and in this episode, we'll be speaking with Chad Huser, Regional Director and North America President of Lely International. On the current state of automation and farming, our farmers responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. And what does the future of automation, IoT, and big data in farming look like? Our first question is, what is the history and the primary goal of Lely? As you look back over the history of Lely, which is now just over 70 years old, founded in 1948, we really were founded by two farmers as an innovative company. And as farmers tend to be innovative, they were looking for ways to mechanize agriculture at the time. So if you follow our history over the last 70 years, you know, it's really been about innovation and specifically innovation in the agricultural space. Our mission vision statement states that we are uh, an organization that's looking for a way to build a sustainable, profitable, and enjoyable future in farming. And really that's why we do the things that we do. We innovate equipment. We get into a lot of technology spaces now today, but really that, that core hasn't changed over the last 70 years. We're really looking for ways to solve problems and needs in the agricultural industry. In terms of the agriculture industry, what is your opinion on the current state of automation and farming today? So if you look at the state of automation in the ag industry today, you see technology really infiltrating pretty much every aspect of agriculture, whether that's row crop farming, but isn't that many years ago that we first introduced automated steering and guidance systems, whether that be in tractors or combines. And if you look at it in the livestock sector today, and specifically dairy farming, which is where we tend to focus most of our time and energy, you know, you're really seeing technology start to take hold and really bring the advantages that maybe other industries started to recognize maybe a little bit earlier than agriculture. And if you look in dairy today as an example, where we spend our time, you start to see automation really trying to take away some of the manual redundant tasks that are around livestock or in this case, let's say specifically dairy farming. A lot of those are manually and labor intensive. That's one of the things you tend to see. The adoption of automation is usually driven by the need to either improve or in some cases replace manual labor that may not actually even be available any longer. And that's one of the things we do see the main drivers in the dairy industry today is the labor aspect of how we've harvested milk over the years. That really was the launching platform for us 25 plus years ago when we pioneered and introduced robotic milking, for example. We were looking for ways to improve the life of the dairy producer. Certainly that's the foremost. We were looking for ways primarily to improve the life of the animal, both her health, her lifestyle, production levels, all those types of things. Speaking of dairy farming, right, your latest automated milking unit is the Astronaut AM5. How does that help the farmer and what technology innovations go into that milking unit? If you look at the current A5 astronaut model that we're marketing today, it is the fifth generation milking robot that was introduced over 25 years ago. If you look at the advances that are on that system today compared in the last 10 years, the level of sensor technology, the accuracy of the data points that we're now collecting, we're collecting well over 100 data points per animal per milking. And we're using that data in just new and innovative ways that I don't think any of us ever dreamed even 10 or 15 years ago when I got back into the industry that we'd be able to do today. And I think it's really a testament to how technology can actually improve not only the data points, but what we're able to do with those data points coming out of, in this case, let's say the robotic milking system. We're monitoring milk quality data, animal health data, reproductive data, all the things that really try and help the producer make better decisions, not only about that animal, 
but also about the overall operation and how that operation is functioning, really trying to gain those efficiencies, but just improve the overall operational efficiency of that operation. How does data analytics and IoT networks help out the farmer today? Obviously, they're collecting a lot of information. So does that make them a more efficient farmer, a more productive farmer? We always like to say data in its rawest form has very little value. It's just a bunch of numbers and, and different data points that we collect. The value in data is really the analytic part. So it's taking those data points, recognizing where there might be correlations. Can we start to look at predictive indicators? Our data scientists are really studying the algorithmic relationships and trying to develop a lot of those predictive indicators so that we can take that data, provide it back to the producer and say, here's what we see. Now, you should be able to make a better decision about again, whatever the particular topic, let's say about the animal's health. Historically, those decisions have been taken somewhat reactively. A lot of what data actually allows us now to do is start to proactively or preemptively begin to give signals to the producer to make a decision sooner. Maybe it's an animal health decision that allows that animal to be diagnosed earlier with a particular disease that might be coming on or something going on in the milk quality. So that data really in an aggregated form provides the producer the best possible information to make decisions around. And as that data and the accuracy of that data improves, it really becomes an extremely valuable tool to the point where we can see and even today start to envision world where we can start making recommended decisions to the producer or even allowing the machine to make the decision for the producer or saying with one push of a button on their smartphone or wherever they might be, it sets in motion an entire sequence of events that allows that producer to more efficiently manage the operation, manage those animals, whatever that might be. So you start to really get the value of that data will continue to grow exponentially and, and it will allow us to start really proactively or we like to say preemptively providing directional decisions for that producer to be a better manager of their overall operation. As farmers have started to work with data, what have they done to adjust to this kind of new IoT world, especially dealing with maybe systems, right? Because it's one thing to say, let's put IoT in a manufacturing site that's already heavily automated. Yep. It's a different thing to say, let's add IoT to a farm. One of the things we have to acknowledge is a farmer is the ultimate owner operator. So in most cases, especially for smaller producers, they've been relatively close to every part of their farming operation, whether that's milking cows, harvesting crops, doing these types of things. So the first, let's say, behavioral changes is convincing them that as they start to, let's say, release some of that operational control to a particular piece of equipment, or in this case, let's say a milking robot feeding system or any of our other robotic solutions. Part of it is getting them to truly understand and trust that the machine is going to do it equally. And in some cases, maybe even better than what they were able to do. And that's one of the values you do see in automation is because it's such a consistent, repetitive process. Now, that's the first behavioral change that in some cases producers have to get over. They have to start trusting, and it is a trust factor, and we understand that, that the systems, the data, the equipment is going to do the work exactly as they would expect it to be done. Once they've moved through that, let's say that confidence or building that trust level with the equipment, then it becomes really fine tuning and understanding how to actually make the systems improve the operational efficiency so that they can reduce the amount of time that it might take to, in this case, let's say milk an animal, or they can look at some of those efficiency gains, which for them turns into financial gains, because now we're starting to get into the financial aspects of running an operation where automation, albeit maybe a significant capital investment on the front end, over a long period of time, 
will prove that it can increase production, reduce labor costs. You'll see operational efficiency gains. And again, efficiency can be translated into financial gains in many different calculations. So once they move through the confidence and the trust factor and they build that up, then they start to really hone in or fine tune managing that systems on their farm so that they can optimize all aspects of that operation. And once they hit that operational efficiency, then you really start to see kind of the wheels really spinning in their mind about what could be next. And that's when you start to really get some of that excitement building, because not only have you solved some other basic needs that they have, but now you're starting to really impact the overall efficiency and financial success of their operation. So the focus of our August special report is agriculture, farming, and the COVID-19 pandemic, especially how did farmers respond? What was the impact of the pandemic on farming? A lot of waste, a lot of labor shortages. (laughs) How did COVID-19 impact the dairy farming supply chain. When COVID first came to light, we started to see the initial impacts throughout the agricultural industry and more specifically in the food supply chain. I mean, one thing to consider when you look at a dairy producer, for example, in most instances, dairy production in its rawest form is a perishable product. So as you look at that product coming off of the farm, it needs to go to a processor to be converted into another value added product. That could be fluid milk, that could be butters and cheeses, that could be some other types of solid product, whatever that might be. When you look at COVID-19, the efficiency that we've seen in our food supply chain over the years is truly astonishing. I mean, it's, it's something actually the agriculture industry needs to be very, very proud of because at the end of the day, we produce some of the highest quality food in the most efficient manner. We always want to focus on doing it in a more sustainable way. And if you look at agriculture, there's been a lot of work done around sustainability. But if you think about the COVID-19 and the disruption to the demand sites, consumer demand, commercial food service demand, which could be restaurants, schools, all the things that pull products from the agriculture industry, or specifically, let's say dairy, all of a sudden, you know, had had relative, had quite a bit of stability throughout the time. You don't see a drastic change typically that much on the demand side. Within a matter of weeks, that demand side changed rapidly. Why do I focus on the demand side to begin with? Because fundamentally, the supply chain side had to react very, very quickly. And in some instances, isn't able to react as quickly as the demand shifted. Unfortunately, we had producers that had to dump milk. Milk is harvested 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It never stops. So relatively speaking, that supply side then had to, as quickly as possible, make some of those adjustments. What did that mean? Producers were able to lower some of their production levels. They were able to slow down or call or dry off animals sooner than maybe they'd anticipated. So they were able to slow some of the production down, but not enough to offset the rapid change in the demand side. So you started seeing producers not have necessarily an outlet for their milk. You had processors who were geared up, let's say, to produce certain types of products for, let's say, the commercial food service or the school systems, that all of a sudden that demand stopped almost immediately for a period of time. So processors aren't able to necessarily retool their processing factories to start shifting toward other types of products. The good side is, as consumers were changing their food acquisition habits, let's say, and they weren't maybe going to restaurants as often, and they were going to the grocery stores more often, they were buying different types of products. We've actually seen a nice increase in the demand of more consumer-related products, so gallons of milk, smaller packages of cheeses and butters and those types of things. But the whole supply chain has had to take time to retool to meet that demand shift from commercial back to consumer And now as we see commercial food services starting to reopen, some restaurant demand is coming back, 
Certainly as we go through the summer and the fall here, we'll see what the school demand looks like. It's going to be still a volatile market, both on the supply side and on the demand side. And that's just something that the producers are finally adjusted to. Volatility is not necessarily a good thing, but they're fairly resilient. And many of them that have long-term plans to stay in the industry have adjusted their operation to meet the supply demand that is part of the free market that is dairy and, and dairy commodities today. It looks like the analytics and IoT side of dairy farming help farmers transition to different supply chains, different sales models during the pandemic. How did that help them also deal with the animals? The innovative thing about the A5 milking unit is that the cow has kind of a little bit of control of when it wants to be milked, right? And so could you elaborate on how farmers were able to regulate the milking process itself with analytics during the pandemic. If you look at automation IoT and how that could be used to make better decisions or or to adjust to this rapid supply demand shift within the COVID world, one of the big things we heard a lot from producers, especially as they were trying to slow down some of their production. So without going into great detail about how a dairy animal is designed or how she functions, what the data and analytics allowed the producer to do was really fine tune or really look at each animal individually. And that's one of the benefits of an automated system is you're now really managing almost the exception. So you're you're able to see individual animal data versus, you know, let's say conventional where it was more of herd level data. So you're kind of averaging things across a large number of animals and you really weren't able to fine tune or specifically look at an animal or her specific genetic makeup, what her potential milking production might look like. So a lot of times what the producers now were doing was looking at animals that were later in lactation. They were seeing those milk production levels starting to slow down, which is a normal part of the natural milking cycle. In some instances, they were able to identify those animals faster with the data. They were able to dry them off. As we say, they were able to slow their production down and then move them to what we call dry cows. But the data allows them to look at those individual animals. And that's really one of the benefits for those producers that are using automation, where they have the ability to look at individual animal data comparatively to, let's say, herd level data, which would be more conventional where they manage, again, like I said, at the herd level you can start to really make selections of which animal you want to continue to allow to milk. And and again, it's in the best interest of the animal as well as the producer. So you're, again, that individual animal data is really what demonstrated the value for producers using automation. What do you see as the long-term effects of COVID-19 on the supply chain for not just dairy farming, but let's expand it, just farming in general. A lot of the things I've heard and a lot of the things that we've talked about in this special report is building resilience into the farm supply chain, which may be resilience is one of those dirty words that nobody wants (laughs) to think about it until it happens. Yeah. So how does automation, how does IoT help build resilience? And what do you think are the long-term effects of the pandemic on farming? Certainly, I think that's a question a lot of us in the agricultural industry and the supply chain are really looking at today. Because I think whenever a a crisis happens, one, one of the crisis management says you manage through it and then you do an analysis backwards to see what risks were identified, what pitfalls weren't we aware of, and then you start trying to make adjustments so that if it happens again or when it happens again, let's say, you're able to better respond. And I think a lot of us in the industry and certainly the dairy industry and dairy producers are going through that process even as we speak. And by no means are we through the crisis, but I think we also have enough data over the last three, four, five months, whatever it's been, to really identify some of those areas. Now, the question is, how do we solve that and can we solve that or improve that with automation, IoT, these types of things? By putting more of the data back in the producer's hands, you're giving them as much control as possible to make good decisions about their operation. Now, they still need to have an outlet 
for some of their products. So most of our dairy producers are still going to continue to sell their fluid milk to a larger processor to be turned in again into another value added product. But what we do see with automation and with the quality of data that's coming out is our processors are able to have, let's say, more control over when you look at a gallon of fluid milk, we know today through the automation and the data we're collecting exactly what that fluid makeup is. So the components of that milk, fat, proteins, all these types of things are measured and monitored. So when that milk is taken onto the processor, that processor knows that milk coming from the automated system is of the highest quality. It's backed up by the data. The farmer knows that before it ever leaves the farm as well, which is again, putting more knowledge and information in the producer's hands is only going to make them a better, let's say, link in the chain of the supply chain as they move that milk in and then forward through the processor. And ultimately, it helps ensure that we as consumers have the highest quality product on our store shelves that we can possibly consume. As we finish up here, do you have any final thoughts, any final insights that you want to share with our mechanical engineering audience? Technology is definitely part of our daily lives, whether it's just general consumers or especially across agriculture. Technology has definitely found its way into a lot of the aspects of equipment design, mechanical systems, as we bring automation forward. The interesting part for us, and I think what we've really started to unlock, at least with our company and across the dairy industry, is we're going to continue to innovate in mechanical systems and automated pieces of hardware. That's going to be controlled by software. The real value, and I think where we barely scratched the surface and what's exciting for us as an organization, is really starting to bring those mechanical and automated systems together to produce data and really start to look at the value, how we aggregate and bring that data forward. We're going to unlock so many things you know, into the future that we can't even dream of today because of the data but it starts with innovation around mechanical systems, automation, technology, IoT, and then we bring that forward you know, through the data that we're able to collect. That's where we see the future going. We'll continue to innovate in all kinds of new and bright ways, but certainly the data piece for us continues to bring a lot of excitement as we look into the future. Well, this was excellent. Thank you so much, Chad, and I hope you have a good, good. day. Great. Thanks, Carlos. I'm Carlos Gonzalez. Thank you for listening to ASME TechCast. You can find our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.